you, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Meeting minutes from a satanic cult, werewolves with orgasmic origins, homemade puzzles made from human body parts. Okay, I'll stop right there, but that is the beginning part of the synopsis for a very cool book called Birds Aren't Real, uh, which comes out February 28th. Birds Aren't Real is written by D.T. Robbins. Um, This is a short story collection. I loved it. It's on Maudlin House, so anything that comes out of, of that small press... Um, I've always enjoyed, always been a fan of, so I encourage you to check that out. Uh, We also talked to DT about his very cool literary magazine called Rejection Letters. Um, I'm a a fan of that now. Uh, So I'll put links to all this. One cool thing, if you go onto the Maudlin House website, that's maudlinhouse.net, and order a copy of Birds Art Real, if you enter in the promo code SALTLAKE, that's Salt Lake, all lowercase, no spaces, you'll get 10% off the book. So uh, highly encourage you to support indie publishers, indie writers. And it's a, it's an awesome book, so you, you won't be disappointed. Okay, um, thanks for listening. I'm getting over COVID, but my voice seems to be coming back. Um, I'm Kyler Bingham with the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast, and we are here talking to DT Robbins. Well, D.T. Robbins, thanks so much for joining me today. This is a um, very cool chance to talk to you about your your new book, Birds Aren't Real, um, which I really enjoyed. Thanks oh, thank uh, for being here. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm I'm really genuinely stoked. So, and thank you for uh, reading and I and enjoying the book. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I think um, let's talk first about Maudlin House because um, anytime Mallory reaches out to me. I, I know that I'm going to be reading something good. So uh, I really, really dig uh, what they put out over there. Um, so maybe just talk talk to me about the book and how it came to Maudlin House in the first place. Yeah, so um, I started a lot of the short stories that were in the book. I started writing them um, kind of right as the pandemic started in 2020, just being locked up at, in, our, in our house or my apartment at the time. Um, and I had sent over, I think the first story that was published with Maudlin house was, uh, that wolf motherfucker. That one was the first one that was published and, and, you know, she really enjoyed it. And I, I don't know, we just kind of started chatting on Twitter here and there and, you know, then just exchanging information and talking and, um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, Mallory's great and what they do over there is fantastic. And so I saw, uh, she was telling me, I, I, maybe I'm, I could be misremembering, but I remember I was in Chicago around September, October of 2021. And, um, I was thinking about her and, 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 um, you know, wondering if I'd be able to get a chance to actually meet her in person. Cause I'm out in uh, California and they, you know, happened to be out of town at the time. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I'd sent an email. I was like, you know, I've got these short stories. I've, you know, some of them have been published. Some of them haven't. And, you know, wondering if you want to do anything with them. And so she said, yes, yeah, send them over to me. And sure enough, like it just, it was the perfect fit. Like I, I can't think of anywhere, legitimately cannot think of any other place that that is better suited for this collection. And stories like this you know uh mallory is very much so like me and and her taste and uh we love weird shit um and you know the collection is nothing short of that i i I think um so yeah it just it ended up working out perfectly she i sent her over the first i think 40 pages of the book and then she uh said they loved it and would love to publish it and then i went home that next month and wrote the rest of it in, in a month. And oh, wow, yeah, just kind of every day sat down and was just like, all right, where the fuck are we going now? <laughs> um, which is sort of like the, 
best part about stories like this is you have that freedom to, you know, do whatever you want with the story. So there's no like, um, in, there's no restrictions. There's no um, technicalities or whatever it is that you, you know, form that you have to follow. So that was, that was really fun, which made it easier to get it done in that short of time. Very cool. I love like when I get a, a collection of short stories and the, the titles of the stories are, are really captivating. So <laughs> that was one thing. And I'm just looking over the, the titles right here. So when I first got your book, just going through the names of them, um, like you, you'd mentioned already, that wolf motherfucker. Uh, but the title itself, uh, "Birds Aren't Real," which you know grabbed my attention right away. Uh, maybe t- talk, uh, speak to the the title. So that's a short story within the book, but also the title of the book. Uh, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think with that particular story and something that seems to be overlapping throughout a lot of the stories in the book is, is just our, um, our perception of what's, what's real, what's not, what is true and what's not. I mean, I know there's the whole like birds aren't real movement with that, you know, it's, it's more political satire at that point, the whole uh <laughs> way we've seen so many in our country just kind of give into the whole conspiracy theory thing but uh with for for mine it was more along the lines of um you know just i i think the way we question reality as it pertains to um death and dying and everything that comes after it is really interesting to me you know we've we've we cling to and it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's really in my head and I don't talk about it a lot unless it's like in a story. So I'm sorry if I fumble over, oh, my no. word, but um, <clears throat> I think with that story and like so many of the other stories, the title is sort of um, mirrors how we deal with the reality of death, which is we, we don't, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. really. We, we find our ways uh, and our, our escapes um, whatever they may be, uh, to do everything we possibly can to avoid, uh, coming to terms with, with the reality that that's where we're headed and we don't know what lies beyond it. If anything lies beyond it, um, but not just death in our, in, in ourselves, but, you know, in, in others and grief, you know, and, and, in uh, our own decaying mortal <laughs> husks or whatever verbiage you want to use. It's, I think it's just, you know, uh, I'll be 40 this year and and that's not at all old or anything, but, you know, I can still, I still have moments where I think back to like, you know, uh, uh, 15, 20 years ago and I was 20 years old and I felt like I had this whole world ahead of me. But as I get older, like there's little things that like, yeah, I can't, you know, uh, lift as much weight as I used to lift, or I can't, you know, do the stupid shit I used to do. And all of that is just, you know, part of coming to terms with the reality that this body is decaying, this body is dying one day at a time. And we do everything that we possibly can to avoid that reality, whether it's straight up denial or whether it's uh, body modification and to each their own. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer as to how we deal with it. It's just that we, the ways we deal with it is very interesting. And so a guy like the narrator in, and birds aren't real, you know, the way he's dealing with his decaying relationship is to save it by, you know, trying to convince his girlfriend that birds don't exist. And, you know, everything that happens after that is just sort of a byproduct of his uh, inability to come to terms with, with that. If that makes No, that makes, I mean, and I love that she like, she's like, there's a hologram version of her and he's like, which one do I, (laughs) which one is better? Which one do I, do I, um, do I want, you know? Um, and I can relate to that. Like I'm 41, so I, I get exactly what you're talking about. So maybe that's why a lot of it is, it just resonated with me. Um, because we're, yeah, we're not old by any means, but we're, you know, we're right in the center of, you know, possible middle age depending yeah. on how long we live so there there are those um you know i don't want to say the down the down slump because my friends who are 60 would you know <laughs> kick oh, me yeah. or glare at me but yeah you start thinking a lot 
more about um you know mortality um and yeah. you're 20, you're 20 i think you know we probably are similar um, sensibilities so i thought about death my whole my whole life but i know the way you think about it shifts over yeah. time um and it you know in many ways it becomes more real as you do do age and you de- you decay like like you just said so uh, uh yeah totally re- relate to that i think um Oh, what was I going to say about one of the, one of the stories? Uh, well, just kind of over, overall, like w- with so many of them, they had, they had like a dreamlike mm-hmm. uh, effect to me mm-hmm. and it did, it, it was kind of just merging uh, like a, like a conscious and a subconscious mm-hmm. um, view of the world, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought it was a, like a, beautiful short stories. I mean, I really, these, this is the collection I, I'm sure I'll come back to um, right. and, and read um, off and on because it does, it does, you know, it does merge those, uh, you felt, I felt like I was in a dream, um, <laughs> in so many of them. And it was, you know, it was a really cool experience to, to read this. So, uh, thanks for writing it. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I'm glad that's, that's all really, really cool to hear. I really, I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's, I, I don't know if you, I mean, again, this is another way Mallory and I just really connected was I'm a huge David Lynch fan loves Twin Peaks and that's one of the things that I always loved about the show is how everything did feel very even though it's like this crime drama uh whodunit type thing uh it is still very dreamlike I mean everything sure. from the from the diner to the way um uh you know uh god I can't even think of his name now why not Kyle um what's his name the main I don't remember. yeah bad with the names but i know yeah i know yeah it solves the crimes you know where they're he's throwing rocks and leaving stuff up to the universe and it's like it's all it just seems very strange and and there, but there's something beautiful about that and and i think that's also a big part of our not to sound too like touchy-feely or um uh airy about it but you know i think that's that's something that we also have to accept about who we are as we get older like it's okay to embrace the kind of weird childlike almost uh ways to view the world i mean in each of the stories or most of the stories all of these people are dealing with very real problems but they're very dealing with you know very real problems in the middle of very fucking strange situations or realities i guess you should i could say uh, if that makes sense yeah. at all <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, I, so I, I'm curious about process. So you said you you knocked out a, the majority of this in about a month, which is like that. That kind of blows me away. Uh, I I find like writing a good short story in so many ways. And I I just covered Sundance the last couple of weeks, so I talked to a lot of short filmmakers. And just when something is short and really good, I have such admiration for that because it seems um like you have to be good all the way all the way through uh because it is so concise so i i'm just curious about the process um yeah i guess in just in general with with any of your writing but particularly like writing it so fast the process of sitting down and starting a short story um finishing it do you do you kind of jump around are you working on multiple short stories simultaneously or do you just zero in on one before you move on to the next um no i I definitely especially for i mean honestly all of my stuff i kind of just zero in on one until it's done um and if it's if it's something where i don't feel like it's really going to go anywhere or i'm pushing myself to the point where it's not fun anymore Mm -hmm. um not that writing is always fun it's not always fun but if it's if it become if if it feels more exhausting than it should in my opinion then i'm like okay either i'll set it aside or i'll just trash it um and there's been a few where i've just trashed but uh for the most part you know it's i i i set a goal for myself with this this collection where when i sat down i said okay i'm gonna write x amount of words or pages a day uh, I tried to do it more along the lines of pages just because I know a lot of people try to do it with, you know, how many words are you going to write? But I, I'm also one of those people where it's like, when it comes to short stories, you know, if I'm, if I'm reading a book, it, you have to be 
uh, uh, how do I say it kindly? Uh, <laughs> there are very few short story writers where if you write a 20 page short story, you still keep my interest. Mm-hmm. You know, at that point, at that point, it's just, and I know 20 pages isn't a lot and I might get some shit for this and that's fine. But short stories, especially short stories like these that are, you know, more akin to something fucking um, dreamlike, like you said. Um, yeah, there's 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 got to be a point where you're like, OK, cut it off or, you know, shorten it up or just say, you know, fucking I'm going to commit and this is going to be a novella or it's going to be something longer. Um, so for me, I, I, I would do pages or, you know, sometimes words if I was having a rough time with a story, which happened with uh, one story in particular. And it's the lost, you know, coincidentally, it's the longest story in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would sit down and I would write. Uh, very rarely did I have an idea of what I was going to write about. Um, I, I started when I started writing in 2020. Uh, the first story that I wrote of this collection was uh, following signs. And that was one of those things where I just kind of sat down and it was like, whatever happens, <clears throat> happens. Like that's whatever happens, happens. That's where I'm going to go with it. And we'll see where it goes. Uh, so I, I've sort of stuck to that approach with these kinds of stories after following signs and a few others after it worked out. Uh, there were a few where I had, the idea like meeting minutes i just one day thought it would be funny like what would it be like to see like the meeting minutes from a satanic cult like that would be <laughs> fucking hysterical um and then there's others that are a little more personal the the most one of the two most personal ones in the story is uh, or in the collection is oi and i wrote that one back in in 2020 after my wife's cousin passed away um, and he was a younger guy and we were really close and I had a hard time with that. So as I was like in my own grieving process, I sat down and wrote that story. And even though my my wife's cousin was nothing like that character who passed away, um, the grief was very personal and, and how to accept that. And, you know, that new reality of this person's gone and I have to wait until it's my turn now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, uh, that one had a little more... Um, uh, you know, personal stock in it, I think. Um, so that when I was a little more careful in writing a little more honest, um, I, 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 you know, I think, well, I should say, shouldn't say honest, but, uh, uh vulnerable maybe mm-hmm. is the right word. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, you know, sitting down every day, you know, saying five pages, two pages, one story, I'm going to finish one story or two stories, whatever the case is. And just, mm-hmm get it done. You know, I had, I had talked to uh, Bud Smith who gave me great advice as to how to go about writing anything. And then the revision process and give yourself a time limit, he said. And then when you're done with that time limit, close the book. And, you know, even if you haven't finished everything, write down on post-it notes, you know, scenes that you might want to see or whatever it was. And I was fortunate enough to finish it all in one month and then started the next, started the revision process the next month. And, so on and so forth. So that's I, That's great advice. I, I, I like that. That's um, yeah, that I'm sure I find that helpful. Just list. I'm going to write that down. That's really, I like yeah. that because you can just go on. I'm working on a project for four years and it's like, it just can, you can, you can go on forever. Really? I mean, I, I talked to um, filmmakers about the same thing and unless, especially if they're independent, um, when if they're working on a documentary, for example, you know they have to kind of weave in their own narrative. But I ask them like, when when is a documentary done? When is when do you decide you pull the plug on it? And you know the same thing because in, in their own way, they're they're writing the documentary. They got in, in the editing process. So uh, I, I think another question you you kind of touched on it, but just with with short <laughs> stories. Uh, you know they can end they can end very differently than a than a novel or a novella so when do you know or when do you decide uh a short story is over i think in a, a lot of years that, that i you know in the book they like abruptly is not the right word but it's just it's like the right moment for it to end and it's it's for me reading it, it was more of like a feeling i'm like like yes that this is this makes sense yeah. uh how, how you did that but 
uh, it may not be so obvious. I mean, if, you know, I don't, I admire, like I said, the short story writer who can uh, pull it off in such a short, uh, you know, um, amount of pages. So when do you know your short story is done? Um, I think for the most part, it's when there's some sense of resolution, even if it's not um, satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, resolution is sort of the big thing that that makes me feel like, okay, this is the right place to stop. Um, you know, if there's um, resolve, you know, it's, 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 there's just some marker, something happens that makes me feel like, you know, even if I were to continue the story, I would think of it more like the end of a chapter. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is a good place to start, even if it's just for now, even if I come back to it later. Um, but for the most part, there's just, there, there's a sense of, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to say it, say it other than that. It's just maybe it's resolution. a gut where it's just like this. There, here, here's the resolution. This is it. This is where you know things are. Is resolution the right word, or maybe it's resolve? I don't know. There's mm-hmm. so interchangeable sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's sort of where I feel most confident is when I have that sense of um, just there's there's a marker there you know even if the story itself were to continue elsewhere even if i were to take you know um uh a story like clark which is the longer story in the in the book and say okay well this is just part of a chapter you know or this is the end of this chapter where they go next is where they go next um because that's sort of how i think most of life is anyway i mean there's always just you know chapters in our lives and the, the ending isn't always this satisfying thing. It is just, it is what it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a few in there that, like you said, they do, they do end a little abruptly. And, uh, but I, I hope it's not to the point where <clears throat> there uh, people are left going like, wait, what, what, what just, what just happened? You no, know, I didn't, I didn't get that at all. No, not at all. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> not so, at all. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably where, you know, I'd say it's the strongest answer for that <laughs> cool no that makes a lot of sense uh so i i just i forget the title of it i've been i picked i haven't read the whole thing uh but i got quite a while back um it's i think it's called like new york versus mfa or mfa mm. versus new york or something but anyway so it just kind of like talks about the two worlds of of um you know literature you have you know, you know like the commercial aspect of you know selling trying to make a living mm. uh, with writing yeah, uh, and then the MFA, which doesn't necessarily, um, you know, it's not that black and white where it is like one or the other. But I know you you did get an MFA in creative writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am curious just about how. I, I don't think I've talked to a lot of people who who have an MFA, so I'm I'm very curious, like, like in the end, from your personal experience, what are some like key takeaways? that were like helpful to you in in the program and then maybe some things that were not as beneficial that were part of the culture of um academia in that in that respect um yeah yeah so i mean i really enjoyed my mfa program um my absolute favorite part of it though if i'm being totally honest was at the very end when i had i had to write my thesis project was which was another collection of short stories and my thesis mentor was um, an author by the name of uh, Amina Kane, who is just fantastic. I love her work. She first book of hers I read was uh, Indelicacy, or no, I'm sorry, not Indelicacy, uh, Creature. And I opened it up and there's a blurb um, by the guy from Sonic Youth. And I was like, the fuck? This is super cool already. Big fan. Um, so, but one thing I don't think we did in, in my MFA program, as opposed to what I've heard from other MFA programs is we, we didn't really read a lot of work from other authors. I mean, we read some, but, you know, I've heard stories about people sitting down and, and I mean, most of the people that, you know, maybe it's a cliche now, but going through and reading all of Dennis Johnson's work and all this kind of stuff, it, it, we didn't do any of that. Most of what we were uh, encouraged and pushed and required to do was write our own stuff. And then we workshopped everything. So I, I, that being said, one thing I think I, I got out of the actual MFA program itself was workshopping and listening to other people. And even if, 
you know, they gave you absolute shit feedback, which did happen sometimes. I mean, I remember there's this one guy who was just an asshole, like just a complete <laughs> fucking asshole who was just, just tore everybody's work apart. But if you read his shit, you're like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like barely string seven words together. Go fuck yourself. Uh, <clears throat> who knows where that guy is? He's probably dead somewhere. I don't know. Um, yeah, he was, he was just such an asshole. There's always one like, in a, you know, call every college class. There's one who has to, oh, like, yeah alpha dominate well, and, and typically, tear down <laughs> typically it's like the young white dude who like you know just he read vonnegut and bukowski twice and now he thinks he's the <laughs> of fucking literature and that's this was just it was the complete opposite it was like a older white dude who like i don't know what he i don't know what his fucking problem was but anyway. <laughs> Something else is going on for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, it was really good to be able and really uh, helpful to be able to sit down and workshop with other writers, some of which who have the same taste as you, some of which you have absolutely no taste uh, as you. And so you really start to uh, learn when to take that feedback and when to just trust your gut. Um, and towards the end of my, my um, program, I sort of found that balance for me, you know, there's people who I'll send my work off to who they don't write the same kind of stuff that I do, but I trust their, their eye. I trust their feedback and I know what they say. They mean well. And even sometimes those people just, you know, I don't listen to them. Sometimes you go with your gut and that's okay. And that's, that's what I would encourage everybody to do. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think as far as things that I wish we would have done is I, I wish we would have read a little bit more contemporary um authors you know just because you get some of the older stuff and that's fine um but there's just so much good shit out there mm -hmm. that's been written in just the past 10 years yeah. you know um like uh, amina uh, got me onto as soon, as soon as i was done with the project i had asked her you know if i wanted to submit this somewhere to, to be published a small press where would i go i had no clue i, I knew nothing about the literary you know uh community and small presses and stuff like that like that and she was the one that uh told me about places like two dollar radio and so i found a whole bunch i found bennett sims stuff who i love his work from uh from two dollar and um uh that's who else was she telling me about soft skull uh so mm -hmm. she got me on to like a, a bunch of other writers like uh brian evanson i love brian evanson kelly link is another one also super fucking weird shit love her stuff um so yeah that that was something i wish we could have done a little bit more of because i i went into this community like completely green not know anything which is really ironic because like a dumbass, uh, you know, six <laughs> months later, I started a, a literary journal. <laughs> like I fucking knew what I was doing. Uh, but that one, you know, better people, uh, I, I'll say, do uh, the, a lot of the work for that. And they know what they're doing. And, and it's been successful in that. Well, I use that term loosely. What? How successful can you be in all sure. indie? But, uh, <clears throat> but we've had fantastic, I say successful in the sense that we published some really fucking great shit. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of writers through it. And anyway, all that said, um, yeah. So, I mean, that would kind of be my, you know, my, my take on the whole MFA um, uh, um, program and, and how it you know worked for me. Maybe it doesn't work for other people or it does work for other people better than it did for me and less than it did for me, whatever the case is. But yeah. I yeah. And I, I guess every, every program is, you know, different in its own way for sure. Yeah. Um, so well you, yeah okay let's let's talk about rejection letters, okay, uh, which is, is something you you created. So tell everyone what it is and and um, what kind of like possessed you to to make it. <laughs> Let me turn the light on because I'm getting really fucking dark in here. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> All right, there we go. So yeah, I uh, at the time I was actually <clears throat> um, an editorial. What did the, what did he call it? I was, I was doing, <coughs> the term is editorial assistant. I was an editorial assistant for Aaron Birch back when he ran uh, Hobart. And I, you know, just kind of, I had heard about Hobart through uh, one of my uh, friends and writing mentors, uh, Gregory Chandler, when he was published there years back. Um, 
and just fell in love with their stuff. You know, I absolutely also that kind of like strange, you know, uh, funny, weird, and sad is sort of the three, um, you know, adjectives you can use to describe it, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, anyway, I was, I was doing that and, uh, you know, kept reading a lot and kept kind of watching and just seeing and, you know, kind of told myself like, I, this seems like really fun. And then I had the idea to, I told myself, um, I'm going to wait five years. I'm going to do this for like five years, just as far as like watching and everything. And, and then maybe I'll, I'll start my own literary journal. And, and I was talking to a couple friends about that and they're like, yeah, that's cool. It's great. And then two months later, just cause I'm fucking impatient sometimes, <laughs> I, I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to go for it. And so originally the idea was <clears throat> a lot smaller and that I was only going to publish fictitious or something to the effect of like essay borderline rejection letters. Um, you know, cause in the, if you're not getting rejection letters, you're not actually writing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's opinion. It's just the part of the fuck, you know, part for the fucking course. Um, and so I remember telling Aaron that, and he was like, I don't get it. And I was like, shut up. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I, you know, I talked to him a little bit more about it and and he was super encouraging and super helpful in that regard. And then, uh, April of 2020, I ended up, um, starting it and it just like surprisingly took off. And I think a lot of that is due to the pandemic. I mean, there was a, at least from what I could tell, there was a huge uptick in uh, other online literary journals. You know, there was some of them had already been around, obviously like X-Ray and Hobart. And and then not long after um, Aaron started uh, had, um, and then there's daily drunk, there's maudlin house, all these other ones, daily drunk was like mine. It was a little newer. Um, but it just, it, it really just kind of became fun. We don't take our t- ourselves too seriously. Like everybody who does anything for rejection letters is completely and utterly a volunteer. And they know that they can, there's no pressure with, you know, um, like I, I did, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, <laughs> I, I did a little readership for another literary journal. And it was just like, I understand why some people do it the way they do, but they had charts and everything that you had to fill out. If you read Homework. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, nah, this sucks. I'm not doing that. Um, and so, but it, again, to each his own, like, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to shit on and tell anybody how to run their literary journals. Your fucking literary journal. You do what you want to do, do what works for you. This is just what worked for me. And it works for the people who, who uh, help uh, with, um, and when I say help, I mean, they, they pretty much run the fucking thing. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, that, that worked for us and it was fun. And we published really, really fantastic uh, uh, stuff and people who I continue to meet and, you know, um, yeah, so that's kind of like the story with it, but, um, I mean, I could list off all of our, our, uh, our, our editors, but I mean, Kevin Kearney and Felicia and, uh, May May, and then we have, uh, um, Charlotte who runs poetry. Like they're all just, I mean, May May, May May runs the fucking thing. Like that's, she's, she's mama bear. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, like she runs the whole fucking thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's there. We have fantastic editors and fantastic, um, authors who come through and, and, um, you know, ha- Aaron uh, over at Had likes to try and give a shit and that's okay. I know he loves us. He's just hurting. He's hurting on the inside. So, um, <laughs> that's great. I got to try, I got to uh, dig into that. Cause I, I haven't really, um, had the chance to look at it. So I'm, I'm excited to, to check it out for sure. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff in there. Um, very cool. So tell me about, so you, you have a book of poetry that I, I haven't had the chance to read, uh, but the oh. title alone, again, a great title. This is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens when you leave me alone. Uh, I love it. Tell me, tell me about that. When did, when did it come out and just kind of like, what was the genesis for that project? Um, so that, oh, wow. Okay. So, so that one, I want to say came out in 2021. And that one was, um, I, you know, I, I, every time I'd read poetry, cause I'm not a huge like poetry guy. I just, I, I never really have been most of the poetry, um, I had been exposed to early on was like 
the real lyrical stuff and, and things that just go way over my head. And <laughs> I would feel like a fucking idiot reading. And, but then I, I would, I had read things from, um, uh, Brian Ellis and, uh, Kevin Gonzalez over at back patio and, <clears throat> and was just sort of like, this is hysterical and raw and, uh, very down to earth. And I love it. And I wanted to kind of try my hand at it. So I was doing a little bit just like for fun on my phone or whatever. And then my wife and I were down in little Italy in San Diego for our anniversary. And I, uh, I had gotten kind of hammered one night and was just, I just turned to her and was like, I'm going to write a fucking book of poetry. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, like I sat down on my notes that night and busted out like 10 poems. And one of them was the super S and the title of the poem is called, you can, you can call anything. I think it's something to the effect of like, uh, you can call anything poetry if you want to. And then, then it's just like the super S and then underneath it says C and then that's the poem. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even know if it's really poetry. It's, it's just more so like things I thought were funny or um, things that were, you know, a little more, more vulnerable at times a lot when it comes to like how cheese ball is this maybe like how deeply in love with my wife I am and how I lose my shit if, I lost her or anything like that, or just, you know, dealing with childhood trauma even and, and uh, stuff like that. So it's, it's, um it's something else. And then for all the blurbs, I kind of wanted to do the opposite thing. I don't, I don't know. And maybe the, maybe it's not so much the poems that is the actual book, but it was the whole process and just all of it, like cover to cover. That is the, the actual quote unquote art. Cause the blurbs, I, I wanted to do the opposite. So I asked everybody, you know, read the book and then say something awful about it um, <laughs> or something awful about me. I don't want anything nice about me or the poems. Like this is not that kind of book. Um, like my, my bio in that is a picture of me and it says author bio, who cares? Um, you know, just cause it was, I don't know. It was, it was sort of anti everything, you know, small press and then also, which there's nothing wrong with small press. I don't mean it like that, but at the time sort of like, again, going back to not taking myself too seriously and, and having fun with it and then leaving it at that. So some people seem to like it. Other people probably were nice and didn't say anything out loud. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that sounds great. Oh, uh, where, so where can you, where can people find that? Uh, so there, I think it, big cartel is where I have it right now. I mean, was, I was just all doing it myself. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I have the link up anymore, but by the time you have this out, I'll, I'll probably have the link back up on rejection letters. So you just go to click books and buy it there. It's 10 bucks. So right. it's not much. Yeah. Nice. I'll pick up a copy. Very Thanks. cool. Uh, okay. So you, you live in Southern California. Um, are you, are you from there originally? And if not, what brought, where are you from originally? What brought you there? Uh, so I'm originally from Louisiana. I grew up down there until I was about 14 when my parents split up and my mom wanted to move out here, uh, to California for who fucking knows why. Um, yeah, but she wanted to move out to California. And so, uh, myself and my brother, my little brother and, and her all moved out here and we were only out here for like, I started, I started my freshman year of high school in, uh, out here, which was a fucking nightmare. Cause I was like this little, it was by no stretch of the imagination a redneck, but at the time I did have a Southern accent just cause you know, it was mild, but it was enough. And I had my front tooth chipped from an accident I'd had over the summer. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I, uh, I just got my fucking ass handed to me <laughs> every day. And so that sucked. Uh, and then five months into the school year, my dad ended up getting custody of us and, uh, flew us back to live with him in Mississippi for almost another two years. And then we ended up coming back to California when I started my, junior year of high school and been out here ever since. So high school into four different high schools. That was oh, a wild fucking ride. And um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I love Louisiana. We're actually going back next month for a buddy of mine's birthday. Um, as I gotten older and sort of away from all the childhood shit, it was uh, it's become a beautiful place that I love. <clears throat> um, yeah. And then California, I mean, I'm as native as anybody else in California. Most of us aren't actually from here. Sure. Uh, 
you know, there's, there's a lot of people who come at least closer to like LA. Most mm-hmm. people who are out there weren't born and raised in LA. Uh, I live in the suburbs though. So suburban, uh, suburban people typically are all from California, but you know, California is a crazy diverse place, man. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> I, I used to live in Long Beach. So yeah. It, it, oh, okay, cool. It's just all over. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's uh, unlike anywhere else, but you're right. So many people, it's, yeah, when you're right in the in the, in the city, mm-hmm. um, just everyone's from from everywhere, and yeah. then you start they the people the locals start spreading out and getting away from the people who are taking yeah, over. <laughs> yeah, like I, I work with people. My boss is from Ireland, and then uh, another girl that just started with us. She's from Chicago, and it's like yeah, nobody's nobody who comes out to LA is actually from LA. And I'm I, like again, I don't live in LA. I'm out in the IE, so you're mm-hmm. probably familiar with where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting place for sure. Just like anywhere else in the world, I guess. Anywhere else in the United States, it's just uh, you know it has its good things, it has its bad things, and you just deal with it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love asking people. So you know, even you know, say writers who on a big publisher they sell a lot of books. Uh, most of them have another gig, you know, like they're 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 teaching somewhere, they're doing workshops, whatever. So. I think, um, I, I guess point being is if you're a writer, you are doing other things to just, you know, exist. Uh, and then you, you, you add on a family and all these like commitments. Yeah. Um, how do you find time to, to write when you have, you have a career, you have a family? Um, how do you, how do you stay motivated, um, and not discouraged and, and, and plugging along? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really have the answer to that. I, I mean, I know, I think when it came to Birds Aren't Real, writing the last part of that, my motivation was just like that Mallory was super encouraging and they wanted to publish it so long as everything else was good. So there was that aspect of like, I'm fucking, you know, nailing it down every single day. Um, lately, it's been a little harder to find the time to write, you know, we have a, an 11 month old and a 10 year old and a seven year old. And, you know, I'm, I'm working, I work full time at, um, at a university. Um, I'm remote, but I work full time there. And then at another university, I teach part time. So I'm always, I always have something going on plus kids and you know, my wife is also working and and she has a side gig as well. And, but the motivation is, you know, it's one of those things where, um, I guess I should say maybe, maybe I should stop focusing, uh, on motivation. I think I I saw somebody, it was Elle Nash. I think Mm, Elle Nash had mentioned, yeah, yeah, she's She's so good. Like absolutely incredible at what she does. Mm -hmm. One of probably the best writers out there i know i have nudes like on my desk yeah her her book not yeah 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 but, uh, <laughs> yeah, <it's> a... <laughs> yeah i i yeah i know i just I, I love that book i was rereading yeah. one of the stories in it the other day um but anyway she i think she mentioned something about um you know when you start to and i'm probably butchering this so uh I doubt Elle will hear this, but if she does or anyone hears this and relays this to her, I'm sorry. Um, but I think she mentioned some of the effect of where uh, getting to the point of doing it every single day, you don't rely so much on things like motivation anymore. Like it's just habitual. And that's something I have to wrestle with because it's like, okay, I, I definitely have to do this, but where, you know, I have to carve that time out in my day, if I'm going to do it every single day, and it's going to be at different times every different day. So, I mean, unless I'm waking up at four in the morning, which is not fucking happening. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I think it's, um, there are times where it's easier because there's something like I, I, I wrote a piece that was published today in Pithead Chapel. That was about my first, um, my my first Christmas back in 2018 as a divorced dad and not having my older two kids with me and just kind of a, what of an emotional shit show that was for me. Um, not for my kids. Thank God they had a great time. Um, but, you know, that was something I've kind of sat on for almost five years and wanted to write about or four years, I guess. And um, so, you know, having that kind of already there and finally saying, okay, now it's time. Uh, just because 
Um, yeah, that, there, there's moments like that, but then it's the moments where you don't have anything necessarily that you want to say, or you do want to write, but you don't know what you want to write about. Um, those are the harder times. And I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know if I figured it out. I'll let you know. I think yeah, it's, let me know. <laughs> I, think, I think L is probably the smartest and has the best answer for that is just, just fucking do it every day. Just do it. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I had her on a, a, a year and a half ago or so. And hmm. just like, oh man, what an amazing talent. She has a new one, I think, coming out this year from what I yeah. hear. Um, so that's that's super exciting. Uh, well, yeah, speaking of, so Elle Nash, everyone, if, you, if you're not familiar with her, grab her stuff. Um, yes. And a- anyone else, that any contemporary that maybe people, uh, not, not necessarily in the mainstream that ever, people, you know, I'm asking for more for myself because I'm always, it sounds like we like kind of the same stuff. So um, anyone like you've been reading lately, that's really blown you away. Um, Well, I've actually uh, been trying to think as far. Well, Mike Nagel had a book come out this past year called duplex and I've, I've been going to it back and forth and it he's he's it's all essays personal like you know nonfiction shit and he's just fucking fantastic at what he does he's another one his book is out from uh autofocus is what it's called um Ke- <laughs> excuse me kevin maloney also another one i read um uh redheaded pilgrim um that one is is absolutely incredible i know that one comes out i think it just came out and it is everything everyone's saying about um, oh, cool. it's wonderful um i think there there's also been people that i'm sort of oh kyle seibel siebel can't I, the guy's last name i'm sorry kyle kyle's one of my my homies and and i'm probably butchering his last name he's got a book coming out too he's a fantastic author a book called hey you assholes from bear creek gazette uh love his stuff Obviously, uh, I'm, I give him shit, but Aaron Birch is one of my favorite people. Uh, you know, he had uh, his book come out, Year of the Buffalo, all good shit. Uh, there, I, I have been fortunate enough recently to uh, befriend Brian Allen Carr. And um, I, I I knew the name and I had recognized him. And lately I've been, I haven't told him this yet, but I've been reading some of his stuff that he wrote a while back. And that's another guy that I'm just like blown away by just a fantastic author. He, uh, he's got some incredible shit as well. Yeah. But yeah. And and then obviously there's guys like, you know, Bud Smith, the CEO of Indie Lit, um, you know, with teenager, which, which, you know, you go going back to your comment about, uh, modeling house and books that they've sold, uh, Buds was, I think, the, the Double Bird was the first book from uh, that collection, that that catalog that I had read, and I, that's one of my favorites from the I absolutely love. Um, and then Claire Hopple too, fantastic author. So there's just so much good contemporary shit out there, man. Like it's you know I understand why people want to read Dennis Johnson and why people want to read George Saunders and why people want to read all that stuff. I get it, but it's also just like you know, go buy, go buy the book, Heck Texas by Tex Gresham. Like that, that's one of my favorite books. Go read Good at Drugs by, you know, uh, Kurt, <laughs> go read anything by Barracuda Guarisco. Uh, you know, these guys are just fantastic authors and they're right under our noses. And, and most of us don't even know who they are, you know? Yeah. Well, that's one thing I love about like, having people on like you because like i'm just like i'm gonna have to go back and get, get the names that i'm like i'm like scribbling you right. know because most of these i i haven't heard but i'm like oh damn like i'm it's like you tap into a vein and you get all of this like you know go down the rabbit hole of someone else's mind and what they're into and yeah it's just um yeah there's just there, there's so much good stuff out there it's yeah. it's it's very encouraging yeah, I mean, I could I could go on and on all day. I mean, some of them, like Jack Bedell, he's also from Louisiana. He was the poet, poet Lorette for a little while. Sean Berman, another one. It's like great, great fucking guys and like fantastic authors. And I'm not trying to name off just a bunch of dudes. There's also like mm-hmm. fantastic, uh, uh, um, uh, Taylor Bias is a fantastic poet. Uh, Sophia Fay is another one. Sorry, I, I could go on and on forever, like talking about this stuff, but... Yeah. Anyway, no, I got I got a great reading list right here. So this yes. is <laughs> super helpful. <laughs> um, very cool. So okay, um, 
we're we're about at our hour so anything else you want to you want to add this was a lot of fun we yeah we no i said this flew by man no i had a blast thank you uh, thanks yeah. for, for uh letting letting me you know talk about whatever the hell i talk about i you know who knows if i'll remember any of it later um I feel like I just like ramble sometimes. So. That's the best. Those are the yeah, best sorry. episodes. I mean, I don't okay. think it was ramble. This is like, I have a lot of guests like, oh man, I rambled. I'm like, like, no, I mean, it's, that's what I, that's what I want. I want, yeah. no, <laughs> I want stream I, of consciousness. That's, that's comforting. Okay, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I mean, anything to say, like, go, go read fucking, I mean, and I don't know who you're, you know, who, who, uh, if you have like a, um, you know, the, the reports or statistics and analytics of like who your listeners are like age, yeah. and all that. But like, I don't know. I just, I have such a, uh, a, a passion for all of the, you know, indie writers and stuff like that. I mean, there's just so much good shit. And even people who just like, I don't know, <clears throat> there's people out there who I've been reading lately just on, you know, lit journals, you know, online lit journals where I'm like, no, they don't have a book out, but God damn it. They fucking should, man. Cause yeah. it's so, so good. And then, you know, some of those authors, they, they end up having uh, stuff come out. Like uh, Graham Irvin was one that came out with uh liver mush. I think it was last year from back patio. Um, and I remember reading his stuff at rejection letters, not knowing that he had a book that was coming out and then his mm -hmm. book came out, I was excited about that. And, um, yeah, go read more stuff on literary journals. It doesn't have to be rejection letters. I don't give a shit where you go. <laughs> don't, don't go to had though. They, they suck. They eat, <laughs> had eats babies. So don't go. Don't <laughs> don't go to um, well, no, yeah. this is good because, um, like I do check the demographics here and there and it's like, it, it, it stayed pretty consistent, but, uh, definitely like a younger than me. So I would say like, we're <laughs> probably like 25 to 30 okay. is, is making up most of our audience there. And we have, um, you know, 70% women, which is cool, yeah. uh, are the listenership. So, and it's been spreading out where I've got, just got a really cool, um, note from someone out in germany so it's like oh, it's kind of, cool. you never know who where this is is reaching so um yeah this is great so everyone listen <laughs> to dt <Nice>. here <laughs> <laughs> no man thanks i'm i'm this was this is fun i'm having a blast i had a blast whatever <laughs> yeah. well no this was like i i love when like the hour goes by like oh shit we okay well yeah. i guess we'll have to have you back on again so if you're, if you're for it, down down the road we'll have you on again because this was a lot of fun Absolutely. I would I'd absolutely love that. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Okay. So um, birds aren't real. Uh, pick it up. Uh, Maudlin house. I'll put links to everything there. Uh, yeah. DT Robbins. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.